Stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, visit www.3cr.org.au. Because we got the alternative energy for the nuclear free autonomy. And welcome to the Radioactive Show, produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne and heard nationally on the Community Radio Network. Hello and welcome to the Radioactive Show, produced on the unceded territory of the Rwandri peoples of the Kulin Nations at 3CR Studio in Nam, Melbourne, and brought to you with the support of the ACE Nuclear Free Collective at Friends of the Earth. My name is AC, and on today's show I want to share two interviews with peace activists who are out there changing the world. Like Jim Rommeld, outreach coordinator with ICANN, or the International Campaign to Abolish Nuclear Weapons, I'll speak to later in the show about her organisation winning the 2017 Nobel Peace Prize. And like Laura Drew and Emma Cullen from Peace Action Wellington. They've been involved in a successful blockade of a weapons conference in Wellington, just over the Tasman, that occurred in the second week of October. Please be aware that this interview includes descriptions of police violence against protesters and that there's some strong language used. To begin the interview, I asked Emma what the protests involved. We've just uh, uh, done a couple of days of protests. Um, basically, there is this thing called the Weapons Expo, which is the New Zealand Defence Industry Association's annual get-together. And what that means is that about 500 delegates from international and national companies and the military and some of the government, they all get together in one place every year and they are there to make deals and network and sell each other um, basically weapons or contracts. And they're there basically to profit from war. So what happened was the last couple of years, uh, Peace Action Wellington And also another group, Auckland Peace Action, because it was in Auckland last year, have organised protests outside the conference. And, yeah, we just spent uh, two days protesting them here in Wellington. But it's actually, it's been going on for a lot longer. This is the uh, 20th year, and there's been um, resistance for about as long as that. But the last couple of years, there's been a, a big movement of people uh, becoming aware of what's happening and um, coming out to say that they don't agree with it. Mm. Yeah, so the NZDIA is a arms industry lobby group, and this is you know their trade fair where um, they try and piggyback off of the Australian one because people don't travel you know from overseas to the side of the world so often for this kind of thing. So they have it about the same time. And we know that in the last couple of years that we've um, our protests have affected them because they've mentioned it in their communications with people, with their delegates who are, who are going or thinking about going. And so this year they had it at a massive stadium um, with so many entrances. <laughs> um, and they consulted with the police when they were choosing the venue um, because I think people have been reluctant to come back because we've shut shut it down so successfully Mm. and yeah i mean it's not just a protest like uh you know stand around and have a shout we're actually doing a non-violent direct action 
so mm-hmm. a full a full blockade where we're trying to prevent people or it ended up being vehicles trying to enter the building and so we were all using nonviolent direct action to stop this conference the last three years and we've been really successful and again this year and it's because people are willing to come together and put their bodies on the line to prevent what they see as you know the, the systematic violence that is the people that are profiting from war and that we think that's where war starts and that's why we were there to stop it. Mm. So for the main entrance, um, we had climbers up lampposts, um, lock on. Um, oh, it's not called locking on. They were yeah attached to a, a fence that we made across their main entrance and they couldn't remove that fence or the climbers would drop, and there were two of them to make it more difficult for them to be removed. Um, And that was along a main road, so people were driving past that all day. Um, And that was, yeah, that was really successful and made it a lot more possible. Um, I can't imagine what it would have been like if we were trying to cover that entrance with all the people that we had as well. And it meant that they had to go to all the secondary entrances and, assist the numbers and yeah. yeah so we shut down the main car ramp which is basically the main vehicle access because we knew they were going to try and get in by vehicles because we got given um security information through a source that they weren't going to be walking in and so we knew they were coming by car so we shut down their their main ramp their main ramps to get in and essentially we wouldn't have been able to do it in any other way because that was actually private property so we would have all got trespassed from there pretty smartly so we we had a technical plan and it works (laughs) and what do you think uh, was the effect this year of that blockade do you think it was successful or yeah i mean we we got um we got given messages from different people that, uh, like reporters and people that worked in the government and also from people that um, have family that work in the military. And what we heard was that people that had got on a bus at 8.30 in the morning weren't able to get into the conference until about 3 o'clock in the afternoon wow. because we'd stopped them. We know that the minister didn't go because uh, this is the defence minister and his entourage, they were all stuck at parliament because the police couldn't guarantee that they could get in. So they spent the whole afternoon sitting in their cars waiting. Mm-hmm. We know that a lot of military people didn't get in because um, we heard from somebody whose family's involved in the military and they were all told not to come because the police couldn't say that they could get in. So they didn't end up going there either. It was only some of the delegates that were getting pushed pushed through by masses of police shutting down the roads and violently ripping protesters away from the buses that they were able to get anybody in, basically. The only way they got people in is because police attacked protesters violently. Yeah, there's been a lot of discussion about the violence the police used um, to to shut down what's peaceful and non-violent protests. Have you got kind of anything to say about the police response? Yeah, I mean, the, the police were extremely violent, like, and the protesters were there. We were exercising our right to protest, which is enshrined in the Bill of Rights. Mm. And it was clear from the get-go, from even before we even got there, because the police were involved in 
encouraging the conference where they should be and how they were going to do it. But they were prioritizing the business and the comp- and the expo to go ahead before our right to protest. Mm. And so their attitude, even before anything had gone ahead, was on the side of the business rather than the people's right to protest. And, I mean, they were they're extremely violent. There was people being kicked in the ribs and the head punched and pushed onto the road. There was large trucks running going past and people were getting thrown near large trucks. Like, I'm so um, – you know, it's just, it's just shocking that, and but like relief that nobody got seriously hurt in terms mm. of the way that the police were acting was like extremely dangerous. And there was so many people that have, I think, come away with physical and emotional scars because of what they did. Yeah, I, I think that there were people who were seriously hurt. Um, and the emotional trauma, like, just trying to cope with it um, this morning has been has been real hard, um, and to know that the the police, you know, they arrest people all the time for for assault, but the fact that when the power dynamics shift, they're willing to inflict that kind of level of violence on people, mm. um, and you know, the also the callous disregard for people in Wellington generally, because they shut down major roads. Like there was a massive traffic jam because they shut down the road to get a small group of rich war profiteers into this weapons expo. Like who who are they working for, you know? Yeah, I mean, I saw so many police there that were just individually like clearly – off in another planet just attacking people for no reason like they were walking back in their line and they would just push people when there was there was no um, engagement from protesters they were just the police were just walking past them and pushing people like this wasn't like you know this wasn't like what is it reasonable force that the police are allowed to use this is beyond beyond anything close to that this is yeah like and this year there were um, quite a number of people like sexually assaulted by the cops like I had one cop there was a, a lull and um, he was standing behind uh, like in the second line of cops and he just reached across and uh, grabbed my nipple oh, man. I kicked him straight in the shin I was like I don't care if I get arrested for this I kicked him straight in the shin and stared straight at him he didn't do anything because he knew he was in the wrong. But there was a lot of that, a lot of kind of groping female protesters, and that that shit's just fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, this is like that violence. I guess we like it's almost like a tactic that they decided that because they weren't successfully, like, you know, successful. They, I guess their success for them was getting people into that building, and because they couldn't achieve that they resorted to extreme violence mm. and they arrested people, but they, I don't know, there wasn't the mass arrests that we had two years ago and we've embarrassed them in court by nobody being found guilty in the last year. So I wonder whether they just, their change of tactics is we're not going to arrest as many people, but we're just going to, like our, the fact that we feel powerless, we're going to take that power back and be extremely violent somehow because they can't control the situation. Mm. You're listening to an interview with Emma Cullen and Laura Drew from Peace Action Wellington talking about police violence against protesters who are blockading a weapons conference. 
I'm AC, and this is The Radioactive Show, recorded at 3CR. In the second half of my interview with Emma and Laura, I asked how the community responded to the police violent tactics. Um, well, we had a debrief on the day um, to give people an opportunity to kind of talk about their, you know, what happened for them. I think we need more of that. We need, yeah, as organisers, there's been a lot of learning um, around how to organise and how to take care of people. And I think one of the things we really need to look at is taking care of people emotionally or making sure that they're prepared to take care of themselves emotionally um, afterwards. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, we did, we did, in saying that, we did do some work towards that, but I think there's always, you know, there's always more to do and that, yeah, we had safer spaces um, kind of uh, people there on the day and also we talked about the idea of safer spaces and how that's about everybody taking responsibility as as a part of the community to look out for each other and to care for each other and try and take notice of how everything's been affecting each other Like because as organisers we can't speak to everyone so it's about the whole community trying to come together and to take care of each other. And we try, you know, you try and put that idea out there, but it's such a hard thing to achieve. And I think there's always room for more discussion of that. Like we can, I think it's easy to forget about the emotional side of things. And that's something that I think we'd, we'd like to, you know, work on more. In the debrief, um, Te Ao talked about uh, the symptoms of shock. And I found that really helpful because when I woke up the next um, like morning at 4am and started shaking and um, like I knew kind of what to do to, to take care of myself. And, yeah, if I hadn't gone along to that briefing, I wouldn't have been quite so aware. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. And people people came from all over Aotearoa to be involved in this, in this weapons conference yeah. blockade. Is it sort of where do you feel it sits within the um, like peace movement? Yeah, I mean, we're just a little group in Wellington, but there was people from yeah, as you say, all over New Zealand. There's the there's equivalent groups of us in Auckland and Hamilton, like Auckland Peace Action, Hamilton Peace Action, and the other groups that some of the other groups that came together were Pacific Panthers and the Catholic Workers, the Quakers, Oil Free Wellington, all these groups came together. And I think it's – and uh, recognising how we, we actually have a lot of common and, like, a lot of our issues overlap. Mm. And another group that was there was Papa, People Against Prisons, Aotearoa. And for us, like, there's the aspect to do with, like, climate change. Like, it's well recognised that, um, obviously – War and the military machine is this huge polluter. Like the U.S. Army is one of the biggest polluters in the world. Like obviously building all these things that are not ever going to be used again. And once they're blown up or shot, it's like extreme pollution, obviously. Mm. And and things like thinking about like for the Pacific Panthers and other groups that are doing decal, the fact the connection between militarization and especially the history in New Zealand to do with Parihaka and Nonviolent resistance and pacifism all comes together with the peace movement, and then there's the um, yeah like people against prisons Aotearoa. There's a lot of a lot of the companies that uh, <coughs> sorry 
are at the Weapons Expo are also security companies that, that are working, that are making money off prisons. People like Serco and G4S, they're all also involved in the defence industry and they're also going to the expos like this. So it's all kind of connected and I think we, all these groups and us and we try and recognise how all these things overlap and that's how we could all come together to be kind of part of this bigger movement towards peace. Yeah, people here are really making connections. Peace isn't seen kind of in isolation, like war isn't seen in isolation from, you know, climate movement, from, yeah, a lot of other things. We're, you know, it does, like, we've we've spent m- months organising this protest for a couple of days. Like, it wasn't just a blockade. We did a couple other things too. We did, like, a walking tour of Wellington and we had a party uh, for peace as well. That was a kind of a noise demo party. And, but it, it only works if people come and, like, if people get on board with the ideas and it's about this community, this bigger peace community coming together. And so, like, for me, I'm just really proud that all these people could come together and recognise what's going on and, you know, feel like everybody could contribute and that's something that we wanted. We wanted to feel like anybody could come and be a part of this in whatever way, whether it's just giving people water on the day or being in the blockade, you know, that we hoped that there was a, a role for everybody and that we could bring a community together, and I think that happened, and I'm pretty proud. That was Emma Cullen, who I interviewed along with Laura Drew. They're both from Peace Action Wellington in Aotearoa. To finish up today, I have an interview with Jim Romald, former Radioactive Show producer, about a group that she's involved in that's won the Nobel Peace Prize for 2017. I'm here with Jim Ronald. She is the outreach coordinator for the international campaign to abolish nuclear weapons, who are now Nobel Peace Prize recipients. Congratulations, Jim. Thanks so much, AC. So what was it like when you heard that you had won the Nobel Peace Prize? It was a bit shocking and totally surprising. I knew that we were nominated, but there were about 300 nominations, so I didn't think in my wildest dreams that we would get it. Um, I was actually on holiday with friends in Indonesia and found out by checking my email and seeing um, so many messages flooding in and couldn't believe the news that we had just been announced the winners of the 2017 Nobel Peace Prize. And, yeah, I felt... I guess huge gratitude and particularly gratitude for everyone who has been a part of this campaign along the way. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, it's not just the ICANN people who this prize is for. It's for for everyone who has worked for nuclear disarmament over the decades and in particular for the Hibakusha, the survivors of the atomic bombing in Hiroshima and Nagasaki and the survivors of nuclear testing all around the world, including Australia, um, many of whom have taken time to um, give their testimony and speak to um, conferences and events about um, their experiences with nuclear weapons, and that has really been a, a, a very important part of the campaign. Yeah, and what does it mean, like, apart from getting a really sweet certificate saying that you won the Nobel Peace Prize? <laughs> Um, it means that our campaign is given an extra level of recognition and legitimacy. So 
I think worldwide um, our work um, will be recognised and hopefully that will bring a spotlight onto um, what we've been doing, which is uh, spearheading um, the ongoing um, campaign to eliminate nuclear weapons with a new treaty. Um, this treaty, the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons, uh, was negotiated at the UN um, this year after many years of um, campaigning and advocacy and diplomacy between ICANN partner organisations and uh, various civil society groups and um, parliamentarians and diplomats um, all worked together to reach, um, reach a agreement um, which was adopted on the 7th of July this year. It was adopted by 122 countries and this is a treaty that comprehensively rejects nuclear weapons. It prohibits the, uh, the use, the testing, the threat of use, the possession, development, stockpiling, etc., of nuclear weapons. And now uh, what we are doing is uh, trying to get as many countries as possible to sign on and to ratify this treaty. So far, 53 countries have signed on and every time a new country signs on, it will make the treaty stronger and um, really strengthen the international norm against these weapons. So hopefully uh, winning this peace prize will um, boost our efforts and encourage more um, campaigners and more countries to, to join this treaty and to, to work um, for the treaty's goal, which is uh, the total elimination of nuclear weapons. Mm. And have you guys heard from Prime Minister Turnbull? Obviously, an important moment for Australia. ICANN started in Melbourne 10 years ago, and no doubt he's been in touch to say congratulations. Uh, we have not been congratulated. He, a spokesperson for the Prime Minister, uh, recognised our, our work and our achievement. Um, it was a, it was an acknowledgement, not a all-out congratulations, um, which is, I think, quite small-minded and, and ridiculous because it is the most prestigious, you know, peace prize in the world, and. I think that everyone in, in this country should be enormously proud that, um, that this campaign began in Australia 10 years ago. It was a small group of dedicated people in Melbourne who um, set, set out to, to create this coalition. Um, so we haven't, we haven't been congratulated but we have been, uh, by the Prime Minister, but we have been congratulated by um, many other people, big organisations and... Um, other politicians, so the Labor Party has congratulated us and the Greens have congratulated us. Um, and, yeah, hopefully this prize will help us with our parliamentary work as well. Yeah, because you're really working on trying to get the Australian government to sign up now. Yeah, that, mm. yeah that's right. And so far uh, the Australian government has refused to sign on to the treaty. Um, and... This is largely because it sees nuclear weapons as important for our uh, protection and for Australia's security. But I think we all know that the, um, the theory of extended nuclear deterrence um, can fail and will inevitably fail. And, of course, the current tensions between uh, the United States and North Korea feel anything but stable. Um, and as long as the nuclear weapons exist, 
um, then we are anticipating that they will be used again, whether on purpose or by accident. Um, so we really need Australia to sign this treaty to show that it's serious about nuclear disarmament. And if they don't, then it pretty much renders meaningless um, our government's other efforts towards non-proliferation and disarmament. So if Australia doesn't sign on, then that is essentially supporting the ongoing possession and the use and the threat of use of nuclear weapons, and it will undermine global efforts for disarmament. Um, so Australia has signed the treaties that ban other weapons, um, cluster munitions and landmines and chemical and biological weapons. So uh, it's an imperative that, that the Australian government signs on to this treaty as well. Yeah, well, you've got your work cut out for you for the next while, but congratulations to get the Nobel Peace Prize. And um, we're all very thank proud you so of you. Much. Yeah, thank you. And if anyone would like to get involved in the campaign, then uh, please visit our website at uh, www.icanw.org slash au. Great. Thanks, Jim. That was Jim Rommeld from International Campaign to Abolish Nuclear Weapons, or ICANN. Big thanks to Jim, as well as Laura Drew and Emma Cullen from Peace Action Wellington for speaking with me today. And that's all for the show. This show was produced at 3CR in Nam, Melbourne, and is distributed across these stolen lands we call Australia on the Community Radio Network. You'll find the Radioactive Show online at 3cr.org.au backslash radioactive, and that's three the digit. And you can get in touch with us by looking us up on Facebook or via email at radioactiveshow.3cr at gmail.com. That's radioactiveshow.3cr at gmail.com. And that's three the digit again. Let's go out on this track by Combat Wombat. It's on their latest album, Just Across the Border, and it's called Shoot to Kill. Thanks for listening, and here's to a nuclear-free future.
Thanks for listening to a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We rely on the financial support of listeners like yourself to keep going. If you'd like to support diverse voices on your radio, go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online.